It's time to enlighten ourselves with a little bit of science from Mr. Science, Dr. Carl Krasinicki, the author of many, 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 many books, including Dr. Carl's little book of climate change science. He's on the telephone now for, for our weekly lesson. Hello there, Dr. Carl. Ahoy, Dr. Luke. And um, luckily, there will be no exam from this lesson. Oh, good. Uh, nothing, nothing worse than a surprise test. Um, mind ah. you, mind you, we might we might uh, have to uh, launch into a surprise test. I don't know. Dr. Carl, we have mm-hmm. all heard of the term the seven-year itch, a mm-hmm. period of time where I don't know if it was if it's become popular because of the 1955 movie starring Marilyn Monroe, but the term the seven-year itch has been around for a long, long time. The phrase, uh, the idea of a seven-year itch, it puts a specific time on the observed phenomenon that data sets of married people that show a rising and then a falling, a risk of divorce over time. Now, I know that the latest figures show 10 years, but over the past few years, it's been always around seven years. In 1922, according to the National Centre for Health Statistics, the median duration of a marriage that ended in divorce was 6.6 years. In 1974, the median duration, 7.5 years. In 1990, the median duration was 7.2 years. But now, we find that American divorce rates are peaking after about 10 to 12 years. The reason I wanted to talk to you about this, Dr. Carl, is do we become different people after, let's just for argument's sake, say seven years, or physically, do our bodies change over seven to 10 years? And are we in fact, physiologically different people? Your thoughts? Which one of those many ones do you want to do first? The one that are we, the one that interests you. <laughs> oh, well, are we different people? Sure, except you've still got the same brain cells, but the atoms in your body are different, but they've reset themselves pretty well in the same pattern, and you're aging. And the thing to remember is that for the vast expanse of 200,000 years of humans being around, most people died, bef- the overwhelming majority died before they were 20. Yes. So this whole living longer is a relatively new phenomenon. Yes. So you got in a marriage, mm. and this is the first problem. We're only looking at marriages, and we haven't actually, we're only timing it from the date of the marriage to the date of the divorce, mm. and we're going for the median, which is the peak, you know. We're, yep. So we're not going for the average, we're going for the peak. And we're excluding whether they had a long pre-engagement period or a short one. So one thing we have sort of worked out is that there seems to be two populations involved in getting married. Yep. One bunch are just going to do a runner. Uh, You put the dishwasher on the wrong time, I'm doing a runner. And others, either because they've got traditional values or they want to stay around for the children, they tend to stay in there for the longer time. And it seems as though the the runners leave first, and that's the, the peak, and then it just tails down until you get the overall population thingy. So that's a small effect. The other thing is that you start off in a relationship with, oh, my God, aren't they perfect? Even the way they breathe, it's so cute. Mm. And then it turns into, 
how come you leave the drawers slightly open and the cupboard doors slightly open? Why do you put the toilet paper back on that way when it should go the other way? Oh, why Why do you all never put the toilet paper back and why do I always have to do it, <laughs> right? And then you've got two different pathways. One is you encourage some pathway behavior and discourage others or you just give up and you can't, you can't change them, so you just adapt to their behaviours. So it does seem that there is a sort of seven-year period, yeah, you know, seven to ten-year period in Europe and the USA. We don't know about the rest of the world. We have so um, India, for example. You know that part of the picking a partner is knowing their blood group, right? Yeah. So every time I go to India, yeah, I love reading. Is the this with the arranged papers. marriages? Uh, no, it's something like um, incredibly handsome, single, midnight to dawn radio pre- presenter Mm-mm. wants to meet a woman with the following characteristics, uh, blood group A. So the blood they group specify. The, the blood group they specify the blood group. Yeah, yeah. So different – and also divorce is really – Ah, rare. but maybe the blood group is, is, is put in there uh, if it is a, a charismatic, dark-skinned, midnight to dawn announcer uh, who may one day need a kidney or a liver transplant. Then you'd have to go with your whole DNA analysis, which you, which is more than just simply the blood group. So uh, the seven-year thing also fits in with the fact that our society, Western society, likes seven. And as an example of how it likes seven, Isaac Newton fooled around with what he saw in the rainbow. And you know that Isaac Newton spent two-thirds of his life doing Bible studies and only one-third doing science? Is that right? Yeah, so it was really big. And also he was the Minister of the Exchequer and he used his tremendous intellect to hunt down and then kill uh, and double-cross forges and so forth. But he loved the Bible. He looked at the rainbow. In the Bible, there's seven all the way through. He looks at the rainbow, he sees seven colours. Mm, he thinks, Bible seven. like seven, mate, that's where stupid indigo comes from. What sort of colour is indigo? Yeah, I know. I'm with you. Right, okay. Roy G. Biv, blue, indigo, violet. Mate, there's blue and there's violet. What, what, what do you, okay, so there is a, a thing in our mind, in our society, that we like to sort of think, oh, well, it's a seven-year itch. And it was mentioned in a 1931 novel in England, and yeah, quoting some judge. So it's, it's been around for a long time. Uh, I'm, I'm prepared to accept that there's something like that in Western society. Um, but I'd really like to know what it is in Indian society. And then there are so many different societies in Africa. I mean, Africa is huge. It's very interesting. The seven-year itch. You mentioned at the beginning of our chat about how our cells change over time. Our mm. brain cells. How, how often does nature replace itself? How often do our cells r- replace? And do we become different people if we are suddenly full of new cells? Well, um, it, on the lining of your mouth... And your gut, every one or two days. In your bones, 10 years. In your brain, something between fairly frequently up to never. Okay. All right. That was just one theory. The seven-year itch, is there something in it, folks? Um, I'd love to know how long your relationship lasted and did it end at around the seven-year mark? It's interesting stuff. We'll take a poll. Uh, Dr. Carl Krasinicki is with us. We're looking at science. Dr. Carl, uh, some amazing thunder and electrical storms 
down the east coast of Australia this week, one in Sydney, saw four people knocked unconscious at Sydney's Botanic Gardens. Uh, it's scary stuff. They were hiding under, a, I think, a, a fig tree to escape the rain, which is apparently the wrong thing to do. Dr. Luke, does a fig tree have rough or smooth bark? I don't know. What do, you, do you know? I don't know. Okay, here's how it normally works. Yeah. You have a torrential rainstorm and then the tree gets wet. If the tree has a smooth bark, normally the water runs down the bark all the way into ground to the ground. And in that situation, when the lightning hits the tree, it travels through the thin film of water until it goes into the ground and not too much happens to people sheltering under the tree. But if the bark is rough, then the water will stop at a certain place and it'll be just dry from there on down. There'll be dry patches and then the lightning will come to that patch, look for something nearby and jump onto a human. So in general, you're more at risk if you're under a tree with a rough bark rather than a smooth bark. Um, different things can happen. Now, getting hit by lightning can leave you with certain amounts of brain damage. It's not the sort of thing that you want to have happen. There was a guy who was a meteorologist who was manning or operating a remote weather station and somewhere in the USA, I think in Washington State, and the weather patterns brought the storms up the valley all the time. He holds a world record for having been hit. He was hit seven times. Um, in my street in Sydney, my neighbour has had lightning come through the kitchen window, through the front window of the house and go straight into the kitchen about five metres into the house twice. And I had a look and I couldn't work out what the factor was, but there's something going on. I don't know what it is. So if, mm. if there's lightning and thunder going on, the mm. last thing you want to do is stand under a tree. What should we do? Ah, uh, well, you shouldn't lie down flat on the ground. You want, you want to make the lowest profile possible. Mm. Imagine the lightning bolt is coming from the sky. It jumps in roughly 50 metre jumps. Blip, blip, blip. And when it gets to the end of each jump, it looks, I'm giving it a bit of a personality here, it you looks are. for a low resistance pathway. It tries to find where there's the lowest resistance and it, so it goes stutter, 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 jiggity, jaggity, jiggity, jaggy. So imagine that the lightning bolt is in the air 55 metres above you or 50 metres above you and if you stay, and, and there's a circle around it where it wants to jump which is about 50 metres in diameter. If you stand up and you intersect the outside of that ball, you're the closest thing and it'll jump on you. So what you want to do is have a low profile on the ground, but you do not want to lie down. And the reason for that is um, given to us by the cows that maybe every two or three years get killed mm. by lightning without a single mark on their bodies. Right. And what happens is the following. And the last one I know of is in Dorigo a few years ago. The lightning bolt hit a tree. The, tree, the cows were all facing the tree. They were fairly close to it, getting shelter, mm. and their front legs were closer to the tree than the back legs. Mm -hmm. So the lightning bolt hits the tree, mm. and then the electric field spreads out. Mm. It goes, and you know, it's a million volts per meter, 900,000, it keeps on spreading out, 800,000. The more it spreads out, the weaker it gets. And when it hits the front legs, you might say it's 450,000 volts, and the back legs... It might be 40,000 volts. It's travelled a bit further. That means 
appearing across the front and le back legs uh, is about 50,000 volts. And in between the front and back legs is the heart, and so you can die. Uh -huh. So that's how the cattle die without a single mark on their bodies, because normally you get burn marks. Yes, yes. So you should not lie on the ground unless you can guarantee that the lightning bolt will hit the ground not in front of you and not behind you, but either off to your left. Well, you can't guarantee it, it. No, you can't. So if it hits you on your left or your right, your whole body gets lifted up to 500,000 volts and then comes down again. But if you're facing it, or you've got your feet towards it, there's a difference between your head and your feet. So what you should do is... Curl up into a ball. Curl up into a ball and crouch down with only your feet together as close as possible as your only point of contact with the ground. Really try not to use your fingertips to steady you because the difference in electric field between your fingertips and then your <laughs> feet, maybe 10 centimetres away, might be enough. Folks, next time it's looking like an electrical storm and you're outside, you've got to remember all of this. You've got to remember all of this. It could save your life. Ooh. And Let me and, tell you another story. Can I tell you another story? Look, why not? Okay. I was walking on the cliffs with my wife and daughter and there was a big electrical storm. And then suddenly I noticed that but there's no rain. And suddenly I noticed that the hairs on my arm were standing up mm. and blow me down. So was the hair on my wife's skull mm. and my daughter's scalp as well. I was standing up. Not not, not the full you know, outward in all directions, but definitely standing up. Mm. And I looked around and there was a storm cloud over there. Mm. And I said, have a look. And they said, oh, my God, yes. And then suddenly there was a flash of light. Mm -hmm. That means there was a lightning strike. Yes. And I started counting. Every three seconds is a kilometre because sound travels at one kilometre every three seconds. I got to nine seconds. So that means that the lightning bolt happened three kilometres away and at a range of three kilometres, the field was enough to lift the hair on my Isn't that arm. amazing? Oh, I my always, God, I was so scared. I was always taught um, thousand and one, thousand and two, but it's three seconds. So thousand and one. Thousand and two, thousand and three, and that's your three seconds. Because if you just say one, two, three, one is too short. You could say a thousand and one, and that's a whole second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thousand and two, one, thousand and three. And in the old days, it used to be five seconds per mile. Nowadays, it's three seconds per kilometre. Thank you so much, Doctor Carl. Where would we be without you? There is an old saying that if you're on a golf course and an electrical storm appears, you get the one iron out of your golf bag and hold it up. Because not even God can hit a one iron. <laughs> I'll have to use that one day. Thank you so much, Dr. Luke. Love your work, Dr. Carl. Love your work, Dr. Luke.